1: But hey, we got the Rob Black Black Show.
0: And his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
1: Out of the way. Welcome in, Rob Black in Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing more. Starbucks is closing Stores Day for racial bias training. How's that make you feel? And again, just that's one of the stories of the year, right? Two people of color, two African Americans, two black Americans, two people of color walk into a Starbucks in Philadelphia. Store manager. Keeping an eyeball on them when they asked to use the restroom, store manager said, "Did you buy anything? Goes, no, man. We're just waiting to meet a business partner." And uh, all hell breaks loose. Not all hell breaks loose. Let's not. I'm not going to exaggerate the facts, but Starbucks is closing stores today for racial bias training. I bring this up in large part. Brands have an incredible power. And if you take a look at the power of a brand like a McDonald's or a Starbucks or a Google or an Apple. I hate saying this because it sounds ridiculous, but Apple's a brand that we trust, right? Until they have that antenna gate. Starbucks is a brand we trust until they have that, oh, we'll decide what a customer is and what someone who should be the police be called on is like, okay. So, Starbucks shutting down today to do the the rebranding or the retraining. Will anything come of that? Will we, as a nation, go... We're, I'm I'm not going to say better off, but will we take that somewhere? Or will we let it drop off? And I think I'm kind of leaning towards, I'm not terribly confident... I don't want to say that out loud, but maybe it's also baby steps. I've lived on the East Coast, and the tension on race relations, it, it's, it's definitively there. Now, again, is it as bad this year as it was 10 years ago? No. Is it Archie Bunker age bad? Probably not. But Starbucks is closing the stores for racial bias training, and that's a tough one. I know it shouldn't be, right? But the brand is going to be affected, for better or for worse, on this one. Will they come out stronger or weaker? So today you're seeing other brands obviously care enormously about their image. Like Chipotle was you know, considered fresh, quick, convenient restaurant food. And then they had some tainted food, and it spent the last three years trying to recover from that. So that's out there. Dow is dropping today on worries of Italia. Now that's Italian. Hopefully, oh, I offended no Italians in the making of this segment. But Italy looks like they want to hit the road, Jack. They don't want to come back no more, no more, no more. They're not all about the EU. When times are trouble and they have to pay up or shut up. Pay up to be part of the, the club. Hey, uh, can I pay you next week? So the Italian bond quake has triggered some global shockwaves today. That's interesting because I don't think we were really. I think we were worried more about the Ukraine. I think we we're more worried about Putin and the Middle East and maybe even the World Cup and security. I don't think Italy was on the radar big time but that sent our stock market from one of growing confidence to one of well there's this european thing that could be a summer of discontent. I remember a couple of years ago Greece was kind of getting their oats in a, a row electing popular you look like a uh, exactly they were electing popular officials that would say things like no taxes you know we won't pay our debts back. We'll have free ice cream at 5. Uh, very populist kind of opinions, right? Now we got to see where this one goes. A lot of people are starting to talk about shorting Europe. Trump plows ahead on China tariff threats and investment curbs. The president signaled his intention to impose tariffs off $50 billion in Chinese imports, sending a hawkish message to Beijing days before the latest round of trade talks.
2: Which is
0: a very good wow. thing. Which is a very, very good thing.
1: Except for Wall Street tends to remember that two or three days ago you were a little more positive, then you're a little bit more negative, then you're a little more positive, a little bit more negative. It's getting us tired. One of the things to expect out of Wall Street right now is that we're starting to say things like the midterm elections are coming down the road very fast, November, and that can change the political landscape. Other things that are coming down the road is how will interest rates rise or fall, Will they we have a flight to safety, which would be positive for these big cap-name companies like Apple and Biogen and uh, the companies that have cash to buy back their own shares? Or will the inflation data get more tame? Uh, there's some questions there on the back half of this year, but the big companies like Apple and Biogen, they have so much cash right now that if something dramatic were to happen in Italy, they'd buy back their shares. So, right now, I think you want to eyeball companies that have the ability to buy back their shares and are price conscious about doing it. So, the top 10 companies with high buyback. Captures, Best Buy, E-Trade, Applied Materials, Michael Kors, T-Real Price, Regional Financial. I like Regional Financial, and I get it. The top 10 with price consciousness. Apple, Starbucks, Intuitive surgical fortune brands, Avery Denison, Chipotle, companies that buy back their shares when they see the market conditions are disconnecting from where they believe that the market conditions can be. So the Dow drops on fears out of Italy today. Home prices have gained in the month of March. But growth accelerating in big cities. Ooh so seattle las vegas san francisco continue to lead and gain seattle homes rose 13 percent year over year 12 of the top 20 cities saw greater annual price increases in march compared with february the nation's 10 largest metropolitan areas saw home increases six and a half percent so for those who have congratulations you have for those who don't meh, not so good you're forever renters it's like me and my perfume that i invented Forever Team, I know you're saying, you like to splash a little perfume on so you can... Yes. Sometimes I throw on my Katy Perry so I want to feel young and beautiful. Sometimes I throw on my Forever Team because I'm not going to get old like James Dean. Mm -hmm. Disney's lining up some financing just in case Fox and their board says, we want more cash because... This is the ugly sister that everyone wants. Disney wants Fox in 21st century. Comcast wants Fox in 21st century. Verizon is saying, we don't want them because we got this great company called Yahoo. <laughs> yeah, right. So AT&T's merger with Time Warner does it or does it not go through, and it's going to be calamitous here. So it's all about the future of the whole Netflix world. Netflix, people who have it love it. So that's out there. You can find me online at Roblox Show, Twitter, Roblox Show, YouTube, Roblox Show. All
0: the time, she's fine. But for an angel, she's a hot, hot mess. Make you so blind, but you don't mind. Cause she's an old town. Get around, anything goes. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: your money.
1: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Joining me now, Keith Koo. Keith, how are you?
3: I'm great, Rob. How are you?
1: Doing well. Tell me a little bit about who you are.
3: Who I am. Well, it's great because uh, I've been listening to you and watching you for years. I'm a, I'm a corporate guy. I've been in corporate for over 20 years, and I decided I wanted to help uh, my clients in a different way, so I started a boutique. Consulting from Guardian Insight Group, where, like you, help people with their money. I help corporations keep their money, grow their money, but from a, a different type of way. That led, last year, for me to start the Silicon Valley Insider Radio Show on KDOW. Okay. And then that led ready to... to oh. oh, go ahead, Brock, go ahead.
1: All you. Keep going.
3: Okay. Well, that then led to what when I normally help out corporations... Uh, figure things out in terms of risk management and saving money. A bunch of startups started approaching me in the blockchain space.
1: Tell us a little bit about what blockchain is and why do we care?
3: Well, blockchain, why you and I would care is beyond what people think about today. Blockchain people usually think is Bitcoin and Bitcoin um, was all the rage for several years as a cryptocurrency and people thought they could get rich quick. Blockchain in itself is the technology behind Bitcoin. And it's been around for 40 years, it's cryptography. Uh, What blockchain does for you and me at the simplest term is get rid of the double entry accounting system that's been in use since the 1400s and the De Medici's in Italy in their bank.
1: Okay, with that being said, what are you doing about it? What are you doing to help us with cryptocurrencies? What's the action per se?
3: Well, what I'm doing is education. I'm trying to get people off their mindset that they're going to get rich quick by investing in Bitcoin or the next Bitcoin. And so why that's important is that in order for the technology itself to be adopted, people have to stop thinking about get-rich-quick schemes similar to when you and I were in the 90s looking at the dot-com era. That's probably the overused analogy. That's probably the one that hits most people's minds. In fact, what's happening is there's a lot of cases where people think, hey, I missed out on the the great, quote-unquote, wealth of the mid-'90s, and therefore I have to jump into blockchain and cryptocurrencies so that I can stay ahead this time. I'm doing education, and I know you do a lot of education on your show. How do you safely look at blockchain? If you want to invest in a cryptocurrency, there are safe ways to do that. Tell us. And the, well, the best way to do that is, first, think about it in terms of what we call the cryptonomics, the tokenomics, which simply means, uh, is this blockchain idea that somebody else has? So we can go with Ethereum, which was like blockchain 2.0. Ethereum was created to be a platform that other companies and organizations can build on top of in order to leverage the technology in itself. Where people need to understand is, Ethereum, or back to Bitcoin, in itself can be seen, as the SEC says, as security, but it also could to have utility, and where the utility comes in is what makes the value of that chain rise. That's the embedded inflation. I say that because you can really do your research and say, hey, I know Ethereum is going to be around, because even though I'm investing like it as a cryptocurrency or we can even liken it to something like a gold, Um, people are going to actually use it. People have to trade on it. People have to continue to invest in it. Uh, So that's one thing. Then we talk about what's happening uh, just next week. Next week, a new platform called EOS is coming out. Um, It's not whether or not I believe EOS is a good, quote-unquote, investment, but EOS is considered the next generation or one of the next generations of platforms where other companies can then adopt and use that technology itself, similar to Ethereum.
1: So, uh, you have a conference coming up. Tell us a little bit about that, because we're starting to run out of time. But we'll get to a couple sure. more the questions as well. The Field
3: Conference is coming up next week, June 7th and 8th. Uh, the Field Conference brings in speakers from all over the world about blockchain technology. And really, we just to make it very quick, we don't care about cryptocurrency or ico's for the sake of that we care about the movement of blockchain itself dr vanila singh chief medical officer of the department of health and human services is giving a keynote she'll be talking about the adoption of blockchain in the medical field as well as dr madison chief health information officer of kaiser permanente he too will be talking about the the opportunity for blockchain to help in the medical field we have uh, professor Yunus, who's a Nobel laureate talking about microfunding Professor Michael Huth, who's talking about autonomous driving on blockchain. This is really a conference to get people out of the mindset of, I need to get rich quick, off of cryptocurrency, but how building an ecosystem around blockchain really lifts, a rising tide lifts all boats.
1: So how can people get more information on the upcoming seminar? or upcoming, uh, On our
3: website, whoop. it's tulipconf.com, T-U-L-I-P-C-O-N-F.com. The promo code for a 25% off discount for your listeners and my listeners is SVIN twenty five.
1: Tulipconf.com. And what is the code? Sorry? What is code? The code is
3: S V I N twenty five for a twenty five percent off discount.
1: Sounds good, Keith. Anything else that we need to know?
3: Um, it's gonna be a great two days. It's totally different than any other conference you've been to. If anyone else out there has gone to quote unquote a crypto conference, we're really digging into the weeds of what the technology of blockchain distributed ledger and decentralization is all about.
1: I have a lot of fun and, and talk a little bit more about it. Oops. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, and one last thing, if you want to set up, learn how to set up a crypto wallet, how you can actually hold your crypto investments, we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about how to safely get started for the consumer.
1: Awesome. Good stuff. The consumer needs to know this stuff on blockchain for sure. There's a conference coming up called tulipconf.com. It's tulipconf, c o c o n, short for conference, tulipconf. Two words don't exactly roll out together, but it's TulipConf dot com, tulip conference dot com. And uh, that's coming up June seventh and eighth in the Bay Area. June eleventh and thirteenth is a big workshop. You can learn more at com It comes up uh, right around the corner. So get more information at KDOW.biz as well. That's biz I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Don't be shy. Um, stock market had a day off. Hopefully you took Memorial Day off and did whatever's Memorial Day-ish to you, whether it's actually remembering the memorial, um, the people who come before us in the military and or not. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The owner of Movie Pass spiked big time today. Uh, This is one of the stocks that should be out of business. Helios Matheson's gaining ground, though, after Citadel Securities took a 5.4% stake in the company. This is a company that probably won't work out as an investment, but will it work out as a business is the big question. Charging $9.95 a month for you to get unlimited access to movies. Is that something you really want and or not? We'll find out. You can learn more about that conference on cryptocurrencies and much, much more. It's a lot to take in, so try to do it on your time. Tulipconf.com. That's T-U-L-I-P. com. Tulipconf. dot Tulipconf.com.
0: Comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM
2: 1220
1: KDOW. Rest for the wicked. Memorial Day over. Stock market back doing its thing. we got to tell its stories. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, Briefing.com, to give us some perspective on the stock market, the economy, and how it's all working together. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
2: Hey, Rob. I'm doing okay. Thanks. Good to be back with you.
1: You have a good holiday?
2: I did, indeed. I hope you did as well.
1: I did. So, everything going smooth and creamy on Wall Street? Any uh, big disruptions due to uh, summertime kind of kicking off?
2: Uh, well, yeah, there's a little disruption this morning, but um, you know it flows out of what's going on uh, in the eurozone currently, uh, and specifically what's happening in, in Italy and Spain, and some questions about. Um, Governing powers there. Uh, there's some concerns that um, you know that Italy is going to be subject to a snap election that could potentially be another you know referendum on on EU membership. And then in Spain, you've got a, a, a no confidence vote scheduled um, uh, for the prime minister on this Friday, which you know it just adds to the political uncertainty. And so you've seen a real kind of flight to safety and. Uh, in the eurozone, risk-off trade, if you will, uh, where you've got some strength in the German boond, and then you've got weakness in a lot of that peripheral debt, particularly in Italy's debt, um, and so you had some carryover sentiment here, which is impacting the U.S. market in the early going, and and I think it is a reflection of sort of just this, uh, you know, uh, sense that we might have a summer of of discontent uh, within the U.S. stock market and. And what I mean by that is it doesn't necessarily you know suggest that we're gonna you know sell off considerably. It just means I think that market participants are a little bit leery that you might get a market that remains range bound and unexciting for the most part uh, in the summer months, considering we haven't been able to rally out of what was the best earnings reporting period since the third quarter of two
1: thousand ten So where are we? Are we kind of a wait and see if oil prices slow us down, or will we wait and see if interest prices bring down earnings and cut down borrowing and cut down economic activity? Um, is it a holding pattern, or is it you know start selling a little bit now before the the next shoe drops? Uh, what's what's your instinct on what we're seeing? Because you kind of just said, we just came out of great earnings. What's next?
2: Right. Well, I think you, you touched on the key phrase, Rob, is it's wait and see. Um, there are a lot of um, things going on right now where people are wondering you know, just how they're going to unfold, and uh, and when you have a market that's cognizant that the Federal Reserve uh, seems to be adopting a, a, a tightening bias, that is that they seem to be inclined to want to raise interest rates at this juncture. Uh, there's some. Cons- Always concerns about what you know higher interest rates will do ultimately to economic activity and, and earnings prospects so so that's the the main undertone here for the market is, is what's going on or what will happen with interest rates. now having said that, you know we have seen uh, in the last week or so a remarkable uh, reversal in uh, in interest rates, uh, and that they have come down considerably. And that's been a function of some of the flight to safety we talked about uh, just a moment ago uh, related to what's happening in Europe, uh, as well as some of the uncertainty that's uh, linked to uh, trade issues and North Korea and uh, things of that nature. And of course, we've had a a, decent-sized pullback in oil prices lately, which has maybe tempered some of you know the inflation concerns that have been percolating a little bit, and that helps you know uh, certainly push some buying interest into to longer dated uh, Treasury securities. And um, but you know, but overall, uh, it is this idea that we've kind of have hit an inflection point with interest rates that I think remains the main headwind for the market at the moment and it's and it is a, a key reason I think why you know we didn't rally coming out of that really strong earnings reporting period uh, because you know people I think are also cognizant that uh, earnings comparisons will be more challenging uh, in the first quarter of next year uh, and we might have to get there by way of um, uh, interest rates that are are trending higher. Over the remainder of this year and into early 2019. Uh, and so there's just a lot of things out there that, the you know, the market is waiting to, to see if it's really a, a change in trend or if we're just going to kind of fall back into this, you know, state of just uh, – relatively tepid growth and and not much inflation Uh, so we're worried about inflation rates picking up interest rates picking up worried about the midterm elections you know worried about what's going on potentially with china and trade worried about what might happen with north korea so so yeah there's a lot of wait and see elements out there and i think that's why the market could continue to just kind of chop around here
1: it's interesting because I think in probably the last month, I've kind of resigned myself that it's not going to be a glorious up year. Um, so I'm going to do a little bit of rebalancing a little bit earlier during the summer months um, so that I'm kind of ready for a little more of a defensive response in the back half of the year in case interest rates, in case oil prices, in case the midterm elections do give the reason, market the reason that it needs for a sell-off. Um Moving into the summer months, uh, are, are you expecting the EU? Because to me, it seems like there's some things on the horizon that, that don't end well.
2: <laughs> well, um, you know, there, yeah, they could. Be you just don't know, right? Um, and I think what, uh, again, what you've alluded to is that you know, had a market's had a tremendous run. You know, probably a lot of uh, positions that are you know been inflated in a good way, uh, that do allow for some you know uh, rebalancing activity here, knowing that you know you could see things break in a um, in a um, in a negative manner, but there's no guarantee that they will, um, and so you kind of do probably it's prudent to take advantage of some of these, uh, you know, kind of uh, relatively um, unexciting periods in the stock market to kind of reassess, you know, your market weights and the holdings that you have and, uh, and to look to rebalance, you know, uh, for the longer-term outlook because the shorter-term outlook here, you know, you'll get these fluctuations and you'll get a lot of hemming and hawing about the latest headlines. But, um, but what we're dealing with at the moment is, just, is a really heightened sense of uncertainty uh, about some, a number of factors that could go either way in the very short term uh, that could create some problems for the equity market or, conversely, you know, create a sense of relief if they, if they get resolved in a favorable manner.
1: So, will Italy, let's go back a little bit for a second, because uh, I had a fascinating and very American question the other day. Her daughter goes to uh, college in the European Union, and she goes, should I buy my college tuition now uh, before the dollar gets stronger or weaker? And I'm like, that's fascinating. Love, 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 love that. But um, do you think Italy turns uh, Europe into kind of a a, kind of, I'm not going to say a shopping spree for the United States or the dollar, but does the U... It, are we going to have a summer of the Italy, like we had the summer of Greece a couple of years ago, where it's just drama after drama after will they or won't they, and ultimately they do or they don't? And uh, does that have a, a situa- Does that have enough wood to potentially cause a little fire there? Is there some problems going on in Europe with Italy?
2: You know, with reports suggesting that you might not get a snap election until August, um, you know that runs us through much of much of the summer, and then along the way to August, you you are going to hear probably a lot of you know headlines about you know political jockeying and you know which party is likely to win that snap election and and how it could ultimately dictate the future of Italy and in, in the euro in the European Union. Um, so. It, it's going to just hang there for the market to to consider. Um, and, of course, we've been down this road before, like you said, with, like, a Greece. Uh, we've seen it in Portugal and Spain before, and, you know, we did come out of it uh, because you had uh, some help from the ECB, you know, providing a very accommodative policy backdrop. And that's likely going to continue to be the case here through the summer months as this uncertainty ring, rings high. And so that could kind of be a supportive element there, knowing that the ECB is not going to, you know, be in any hurry here to tighten, knowing that there is so much political uncertainty hanging over the Eurozone. But but that tangentially probably is a benefit for the U.S. dollar and uh, and the U.S. market
1: thanks very much. Have a good day and we'll talk next week as we get our updates on the market. Um, starting with briefing.com, Always enjoy the opening commentary by. Um, the whole staff just does a really good job of putting together um, various ways of looking at things. They have a live minute to minute breaking stories, uh, which you know we don't talk about very often here because we're trying to get I'm trying to get you out of that minute by minute thing. But they have what's called a live in play. A um, little bit of political lava from the Eurozone this weekend. A little bit of political lava from Donald Trump this weekend. Uh, so as we come back into the shortened holiday, shortened week, we do notice, you know, a little bit more on Italy. And it did it flare up. Is it there? Is there kindling under this? Is it smoke or is it fire? What is it exactly? Uh, but there's a lot of flight to safety going on in European markets right now. Ten-year treasury is back down to 2.88%. 2. Oh, oh, 2. Uh, a week ago, it was at 3.10%. So this is saying, the market's sensing some fear, and it's pushing rates lower. There's a flight to safety. Oh, lots going on, right? Today is the day that Starbucks is shutting its stores down at 1130 uh, don't quote me on the time or don't quote me on the locations or anything along those lines. I believe it's all the stores. Uh, but the point being is today's the day where America, do we take a step forward in being good corporate citizens? Or is this a problem that's going to be tougher to fix than we think? Where are we with it? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It
3: wasn't never Oh, maybe you've been through this before But it's my first time So please ignore the next few lines Cause they're directed at you I can't all
0: 1220
1: double. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and in more. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, robblackshow.com. Again, thanks so much for listening. I do wildly appreciate it. What's the average American get from... Social Security. I think that's always a really good question. And it's usually not as much as you think. And I'm stunned by how many people just don't really care about retirement and what it looks like. $1,400 or less a month from Social Security. It's not very much. A lot of people look at teachers and go, oh, they've got retirement. They're set. replaces less than 55% of their salary. It's a supplement. They have to save on top of it. Plus, they get underpaid for the amount of hours they put in and for the quality of work that they do during their lifetime. There's so many financial issues to look at. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton for a little chit chat about financial planning issues. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, got a couple of emails to get through. Let's do it. This is a big one. So let's see if we can't make this. Got a book? There. Well, this is, it's kind of long. And it's got some fancy words in it. Isn't it, and it comes from us to us from Eddie. Isn't it true that RMD is calculated based on the value of your portfolio at the end of December of the year before you turn 70 and a half, regardless whether you have been withdrawing funds for years? RMD is required minimum distribution? Yeah, required tied minimum towards, distribution. Tied towards your re- retirement accounts.
4: Okay. Yep. Yeah, so the way it works is once you turn 70 and a half, April 1st of the year following 70 and a half is you know every time i say these things it's like who made up the rule of 70 and a half why not just 71 why do you have to calculate where your 70 and a half birthday is and then figure out oh by april first one year but if you do if you wait till the following year you have to take two that year and i think i could tell you why is because when you turn 70 and a half you're forced to pull money out of your iras at 401ks it's a certain formula that you use to do that and let's say that amounts fifteen thousand dollars okay if you forget to do it It's a fifty percent penalty on that amount, so seventy five hundred dollar penalty plus. You still have to pull the money out and pay the taxes on top of that. Sure, Um, you know, as if figuring out what Medicare supplement plan and prescription drug plan you want when you retire isn't hard enough, then you got to deal with taxes. Are those hard? Oh, it's it's a full time job. I tell you what, to to go in and figure out once you turn sixty five and pick the right supplement plan. You know, a lot of people that are on Kaiser just stay on Kaiser. I, I tend to uh, find that older people tend to be fairly happy with Kaiser. Okay. Um, I think younger people in terms of sports medicine and stuff like that, you know, fixing the knees and doing all that. I'm not too big of a fan of it, but I'd probably go Kaiser when I'm older. Why's that? It's just everything's kind of in one place. And okay. a lot of clients that I've had have been happy with it. Um, and my own mom, same thing. Okay. So She's happy with it. Anyways, getting back to the seventy and a half issue, um, yeah. What happens is each year you have to look at the twelve thirty one value of all of your IRAs, four hundred one ks, four hundred three bs, and every all of it. Now, if everything's in IRAs, it's easy because you could add up everything, figure out what the formula is. It's like twenty, it's one twenty seven point six of the account or something like that in the first year, um, and then you can say, okay, I've got all my IRAs. There's three or four different IRAs figure out what the number is, and you can take a withdrawal out of one IRA. Maybe your lowest-performing IRA, maybe the best-performing IRA that you're peeling off the top. Taking some of that growth, spending the money. Um, If you have 401Ks and 403Bs, you've got to take one out of every single one of them. Hmm. And so people make that mistake a lot, thinking that, Oh, I've got a 401K and IRA, I'll just take the RMD, the required minimum distribution, out of my IRA. Nope. That's why it doesn't really make any sense to keep money in a 401K after you retire. Roll it over, consolidate it. So, you don't make those mistakes. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what we talk about all, all the time is fighting the IRA tax trap. So, when you retire, let's say at 62, you retire at 62, 65. Well, one of the first places I like to look is the IRA. If I can take money out of the IRA and a married couple finally jointly can have about 80 grand of income plus their, their itemized deductions and still be at a 15% federal bracket. So, I look to the IRA first to make sure I'm maxing out that 15% bracket. And if you need the money, take the money out and spend it. If you don't need the money, take the money and convert it to a Roth so that you're whittling down your IRA, which means you're moving money from a taxable account, paying taxes on it now, moving it into an account that grows tax-free for the rest of your life and your kids' lives. And, uh, and then that way, when you turn 70 and a half, you're not forced to take out so much taxable income. You're reducing the required minimum distributions because you're taking the money out earlier. And it levels out your taxes throughout your retirement, rather than, than having very little taxes until you're 70, and then super high taxes.
1: Anything else that we need to know about RMDs? Is,
4: um, there, is there a good calculator online? Does your yeah, IRS.gov, will... Publication 590 it has the the tables there. Okay, and then um, there's you know all sorts of issues.
1: Like, so if, people... if you have an account with like a Fidelity or Vanguard, mm-hmm. will they step up and help you? Come up with a number or no, 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 no. That's advice.
4: Yeah, yeah typically, yeah, typically they're not going to, what they do is they send you the letter to remind you okay. that you're supposed to do it. But Fidelity doesn't know that you have a IRA at Vanguard and an IRA at t Rowe Price or something like that. So they don't, they won't, they'll give you all the disclaimers in the world
1: before they'll give you tax advice. So That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And earlier in the show, I was talking with Keith Koo. He does a show here on AM 1220 KDOW Fridays at 1. You can learn more about what he's doing. And obviously, the topic today was all tied towards Bitcoin. You can learn more by going to kdow.biz, kdow.biz, and following programs and things along those lines. Um, tons of information at kdow.biz, like the Han Solo movie. Did not get a great reveal. Spoiler alert. But it's Han Solo, right? Were you expecting Salmon and Rushdie and Pulitzer Prize material? Probably not. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Coming up, more Rob Black Show. Just find me at RobBlackShow.com. Oh.